Today's daf is daf Chav Zayin. Be'ez Hashem Zbarak will be finishing the second parak, beginning the third. We are holding about six, seven lines up from the bottom of Chavav Amad Bez. Maybe a little more, about ten lines. Amar Rabbah. is the first word on the line. We had this case before, right? The case basically is somebody goes and throws a vessel off a roof and uh, before it hits the ground somebody else takes a baseball bat and smashes it so he broke it before it hit the ground so should he be liable and we're going to see Rabba's position is that the person that threw it basically he put in in trajectory that it for sure was going to break on the ground so we view it already as a broken vessel in midair. And therefore, the second fellow that comes and hits it, he's really breaking a non-functional vessel. It's considered non-functional anymore because it was sure going to break. So therefore, the first fellow who threw it is going to be Chayev, not the second fellow. That, so that's the, that's the way Rabbah, and that's, that's the Lord I was going to teach. So I'm a Rabbah. Zara Klim a person threw a vessel from the top of a roof, and a second fellow comes and broke it. Broke it with a bat, broke it with a stick. Potter, the second fellow is going to be Chayev, right? The first fellow, if it's his object, then obviously he's not Chayev. If it's somebody else's object, then the first fellow will be Chayev. So my time, what's the reason? Because the second fellow has broken a broken vessel was already considered non-functional in mid-air. So he's breaking a, a, a vessel that's no longer functional as a vessel, the second fellow's potter. Let's say somebody threw, again, a vessel from the top of a, of a, of a roof. However, in this case, there were uh, mattresses or, or, or pillows, cushions of pillows that were at the bottom of the roof, which means when the first fellow threw him, they were not going to break. In midair, they were functional vessels because they were going to land on the pillows, they were going to land on the mattresses, they were going to land on the cushions. There wouldn't have been a problem. What happens is that before they landed, that somebody else came and pulled them away, so now they land on the floor and they break. Oh, Kadam Vasilkan, or maybe even the person who threw them, somehow you have to figure out how he's able to get down and get a string, but the guy who threw them was the one who pulled away the pillows or the mattresses, right? Potter, they're going to be Potter. Now Rashi learns both parties will be Potter. What's the shot? The person who threw them, right? Let's just see the reading more first. My timer, what's the reason? But in the Deshadia, the one who threw them, when he put them into, into uh, 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 made them airborne, though the trajectory was that was going to land at that time, the force behind it would have not broken it because it would have landed on pillows. So Psuki Mevzike his arrows were blunted, meaning they, his arrows were not destructive arrows. The force his arrows means the force that he put into the vessel was not a destructive force because it was supposed to land on pillows, so therefore it can't say it's a broken vessel in the air. It wasn't a broken vessel in the air, it was a functional vessel, it was going to land on pillows. 
Right? Now, what about the fact that somebody else now comes and pulls them away? So Rashi says that person is not going to be chayev because that's considered to be groma. That's, that, that's not direct. That's an indirect damage. He's not directly damaging the vessels. He's pulling away their safety net. Pulling away safety net, again, you're not one of the Lamed Vav Tzadikim, but you did not directly damage someone's items. You do an indirect damage, you will be potter from that damage, even if it's the guy who threw it. Because the force of the throwing was not a force that he was going to be chayv on, because he did not create a destructive force because there was pillows there. Even though he pulled them away, but that's indirect and he will be potter. Amarabo. Okay, now it gets a little interesting. Zorak tinait mirasha gag. Rachman al-Islam, someone threw a baby off a roof. All right? Uba achar vekiblo besayev. And somebody at the bottom came and impaled the baby with a sword before the baby hits the ground. All right? Now, says the Gemara, plukted rabbi Yehudim v'seir v'rabbonon. That this actually will be subject to machlokis between Rabbi Yehudim Vaseira and Rabbanon, whether the fellow who pierced the baby with the sword is going to be held accountable or not. Now, it's very interesting because we don't compare this to the case of the, uh, of, of, of the, the vessel. By the vessel, we said, when you threw a vessel, it's for sure going to hit the ground, therefore it's considered a broken vessel. The second guy comes and, and hits it with a bat, second guy is potter. We don't assume that automatically. And the reason is because by a vessel, a vessel is deemed, uh, is it of value or not by its functionality? The fact that it is in midair, so then it's broken already because your bottom line is going to smash at the bottom. Therefore, we view this ostensibly as a smashed vessel because it has no longer, it has, doesn't have its function. You can't say the same svara. The Gemara is not willing to say the same exact svara by a baby because as long as there is some spark of life left in the baby, we cannot say, oh, this is considered to be like a dead baby. It's not. It's not. The guy by, as long as there's some spark left, so the question is, well, there's some spark left. Obviously, if one hit the ground, there is some spark of left life left in the baby. So then why shouldn't the second guy automatically be chayv? That we're going to see is a machlokas here between the Chachamim and Rabbi Yudim and Becerra. The Sani, we learned in a Bryson. Okay. This is a, uh, 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 we, had, we had this earlier uh, on Daf Yud, all right? And that's also in Sanhedrin. So it says, he Adam. Ten people hit somebody and they hit them. Each one was hitting with a violent enough force that any one of these blows could have killed the person. Using ten bats. Whether it all happened simultaneously, they all ten blows were simultaneous. So whether it's all at the same time or one after the other, all ten of these individuals will not be able to be tried for murder. All ten of them will be potter. Why is that? So we're going to see. The Tanakama, which is the Chachamim, they hold, the Pasuk says, Kiyika ish, Kiyaka ish kol nefesh, right? So it says that, that when you strike someone, uses the word, when you, and you kill him, that you're chayev when you kill kol nefesh. Now kol, according to the Chachamim, they understand, is the entire. The word kol, we have two meanings, but the entire soul has to be killed. Meaning if you are not 
striking and kill uh, the, the entire soul, you cannot be responsible, held responsible for murder. So now, when ten do it at the same time, there everyone's going to agree because how do you know which is the blow that killed? It was ten simultaneously. You can't identify which is the blow that killed. But even if it's ten in a row and each blow could have killed him, but he was still alive. And the last one is the blow that hastened the death because that was number ten. The Chachamim still hold your potter because the fact that there were nine deadly blows before, that means that this person's uh, neshama has been diminished to the point where any one of those blows could have killed him, even though they did not do it immediately at the time when they hit. But the tenth guy, when he hits, he's no longer uh, hitting an entire neshama. The entire neshama is no longer there based on what happened subsequently and therefore you cannot be mechaiv in murder because he's not killing a whole neshama. That's how the Chachamim understand it. Whereas Rabbi Yehudim in Beseira says, kol nefesh, the word kol here doesn't mean all, it means any. Like kol Yisrael yeshlam chelik lo any Jew. So as long as there's any part of the neshama left and you extinguish that last part, means the first nine, they might have extinguished part of the neshama, but there was still something left. He wasn't dead yet. The last guy, he extinguished whatever was left. It's his blow, the last blow that ended up hastening this person's death. He died earlier because of that last blow, even though what he hit was, the, was only a spark left of the entire neshama, because most of it had been taken out already by the first nine blows. According to Yudim Beseyer, kol nefesh, kol nefesh means any part of the soul that you extinguished as being the last part that now the person's not alive, you are going to be chayev. So therefore, so all ten at the same time, we don't know who caused that last piece to be extinguished. But nine, and then a tenth person comes, he is the one that caused the last part to be extinguished, so therefore he's going to be chayev. How does that circle back to our case? So this is the way Rashi learns it. The person, the baby gets thrown off the roof. Now there's no question. The baby gets thrown off the roof. His in the shama, as he goes down, is being extinguished. It is being extinguished, but there is still a spark of life left. The, the person at the bottom who impales him with the sword, he is taking out. There is at least some spark of the shama still being taken out by and finally being extinguished. And the baby is dying seconds before he should have died because he would have died when he hits the ground completely. And now you took out that last those last seconds of his life, so therefore, according to you will be chayim. According to Chachamim, it's not called neshama, because you have not, uh, you, when you impaled the baby, it wasn't the entire soul, because that soul was already diminished from the act of being thrown off the roof, and therefore, that's not enough to hold the first fellow uh, liable, I mean, to hold, hold the, 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 the fellow who impaled the baby liable for murder. Okay, let's go on. Now, let's change up the case. Again, we're at the top of Chavzayin Amidalev. Let's say that what happened here, Ruvain threw an, a baby off the roof, and before it hits the ground, Shimon's ox comes and gores the baby, impales the baby on his horns. Now, what's the Shaila here? So we know that if... Uh, Let's say Shimon's, uh, Shimon's ox kills somebody, Shimon has to pay kofer, right? There is, uh, the, ba- the ox has to be executed if it's a muad, Rashi says over here we're talking about a muad, 
and the owner of the ox has to pay a certain payment that's called kofer. It is some level compensatory, it also has a kapora aspect to it. Now, there is a machlokus, we're going to see a number of places, Mesefes Makos, a few places we see there's a machlokus, when the Torah says that he has to pay, the Nosan Pidyanavsho, he has to pay a redemption of his soul, who is the soul? Meaning, there has to be a calculation based on what this person was worth in, 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 a, in, in a, a market as an Evan Kanami, that's the amount that has to be paid. Now, the Torah says you have to pay the kofra of his soul. Whose soul? Are you paying what the victim was worth? Or since it's a redemption, maybe the person's soul that you're redeeming is your own soul, the owner of the ox. So you have to pay what the value of the owner ox is. like substituting from executing him, he's giving that money. So therefore there's a machlokas, whose redemption, whose kofar are we calculating to pay the family? Now, this is the way Rashi learns it. Rabbeinu Chanan is exactly the opposite. But Rashi learns as follows. So if you are of the opinion that you pay the kofar of the owner of the ox. So in this case, the owner of the ox at the end of the day, assuming, by the way, you have to hold like Rabbi Hudim that there is, your ox is killing the baby, even if it's a spark of the baby, you have to pay, you have to pay kofar, so you're gonna to have to pay the kofar of what your value is. But if you are of the opinion that you pay the value of what the baby was worth, a baby that is in mid-air, that is being gored, what is the value of such a baby? It's about to hit the ground. And you're on, there's going to be no value over there. That's not that value. There's no value for a baby at that point. The baby is about two seconds from being obliterated on the ground. So therefore, there cannot be a payment over there because there is no value. So therefore, do you have to pay? Does the owner of the house have to pay? Will depend on the machlokas. Are you paying for the value of the baby? Or are you paying for the value of the owner of the ox? That is where the Gemara is explaining it according to Rashi. So that's going to be plugged to Rabbi Shmuel, of Yom Meroka, and the Rabbon. The sign is learned in a Brisa. Okay? So Maseches Makos, also we have it later on, in, and, and also Maseches Yervomas. Venosan Pedia Nafsho. You have to pay a redemption of his soul. Who's, who is the his? Tmei Nizam. So uh, the Chachamim say that is the victim's soul. No, it's the soul of the owner of the ox, the one whose animal perpetrated the damage. That is what has to be paid. So therefore, again, that'll be, if you have to pay the soul of the baby, according to the Chachamim, there's no value left because that's when the animal gored it was value, it had no value at that point. Now, I'm a rabbi. All right, this, they have to be a little creative over here as to what the case is. I'm a rabbi. Nafal somebody negligently, we're going to see, he fell off the roof. Now, let's say he had been uh, sunbathing on top of the roof, okay, and uh, without clothes on. And there was a lady at the bottom of the roof, also sunbathing without any clothes on. And what happened was, he fell off the roof, the nitka ba'isha, and he impaled her. So, uh, Somehow he, I guess, had been aroused, and not only so, she broke his fall, and he caused her significant damage. But in the act of causing her the damage, he also ended up penetrating her. 
So Chayev Bedalet Dvorim. He's going to have to pay four out of the five payments he's going to have to pay because there was negligence involved. The bottom line is he should have not rolled off that roof. Now, why does it make a difference that we're talking about a situation where he ended up penetrating her for the next halacha? Let's say she happened to be his Yevimto. She was his sister-in-law whose husband had just died without any children. And now, if that is considered to be an act of Bia, so then Mazel Tov. So then bottom line is, he is considered to be married to her. And even though we know by Yibum, we know Yibum can happen by force. You don't need her acquiescence for it. It could be not his, not hers. But the Maizli one is going to say, you don't need permission for Yibum, but you do have to have intent to make an act of Bia. There was no intent to create an act of beer over here. It just ended up happening. That's how he fell. So this will not cause a situation of Yibum. Rashi says if one of the other brothers want to go and marry her, they would be able to do it because this is not considered to be an act of Yibum because there was no intent for beer. So Lokana, it wouldn't be called as a uh, beer. But uh, now, why are you chai for the other four? Chai b'nezegetzarberibusheves. You will be chai for the four. We're going to see because there was negligence, as we're going to see that he should have not fell off the, he should not have fallen off the roof. Avalboshes, the one that you don't have to pay for is embarrassment. Even though it's a huge amount of embarrassment, can you remember? Can you imagine what's the headlines of the newspaper going to say tomorrow? Nevertheless, you don't have to pay for embarrassment. Why? Mishboshes uh, loy. Uh, because we learned in the Mishnah, you can only be obligated to pay for embarrassment until there is intent to harm. You don't have to have intent to embarrass, but you do have intent to harm. As, as negligent as this fellow was falling off the roof, it was not within his intent at all to cause the lady below damage. And therefore, for the other four forms of damage, you, have just, you just have to have negligence. There was negligence, some level of negligence, you're chayev for the additional four. See, Nezek, we're going to see, it can even be chayev without, uh, ne- without uh, uh, any negligence. But the point is, but all four, you can be chayev as long as there's some level of, of negligence. But for boshas, you need more than just negligence. You need intent to harm. And there was no intent to harm over here, so therefore you're not chayev. So now, and we'll see exactly how we know that in a moment. Let's say what happened over here, this fellow was on top of the roof, and the wind that blew him off was not a normal wind. It was a hurricane, a gale. Uh, Not the normal wind expected at that point in time. It's the middle of a hurricane, then obviously you should expect that there's hurricanes. That this fellow climbed up onto the roof, not, there was no expectation of a hurricane, all of a sudden a hurricane blew him off the roof. And based on his actions, he got blown off the roof and he caused the person below damage and embarrassment. That person broke his fall, whether it's the case of the woman or any other person below, that person broke his fall, that person now got harmed, serious damage, and got embarrassed, okay? But in this case, the only thing you can hold him responsible for is the nezek, is the damage. Even the three of uh, uh, the four other things that we said before, you will chive, no. Because here there was no negligence. Why was there no negligence? Because we didn't expect that when he climbed up onto the roof, 
that a hurricane would come and blow him off the roof. So therefore, all the, the other, the four damages uh, can only be high when there's negligence. Boshes, which is one of the four, can only be high when there's intent to damage. Not, all, not just negligence, but therefore, but Nezek, Nezek you could be held accountable for even if there was no negligence involved. Now we did see the Yerushalmi yesterday that says that if it's an extreme onus, like the guy goes to sleep and somebody put a vessel next to him and in his sleep he breaks it, that we would not be chayv according to Yerushalmi when it's extreme onus, but under normal regular onus where there could be a touch, it could have been within the purview of, you know, you go up to a roof, make sure, you know, that, that you're not gonna get blown off no matter what the, the uh, very interesting, you know, in, in Miami, that uh, there's an interesting uh, uh, statistic that the ma- majority of people that die in hurricanes are people that fall off their ladders putting up the shutters. Hmm. That's the majority of people that, that end up uh, dying. Anyway, but the point is, is it's negligence. There is some level you should be careful that, that, that you don't get blown off and therefore you can be high for Nezek, but you're not high for the other ones. Not enough negligence to be high on the other ones. Now, what happens if it was a Ruch Mitsuya? It's an expected wind. All right, a normal wind, or in the case of a, it's the middle of a hurricane. What well, you don't know, there's a hurricane out there. You get blown off the roof. It's 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 an expect that's the expected wind in this under the circumstance. Vehizik, and he caused damage on that case. Ubiyesh, and he embarrassed the person who he landed on below. Chayavadalvarm again. Here you are going to be chayav four out of the five. All right, but potralaboshes, you're chayav for the four, but you're not chayav for boshes, right? Because we only just see again boshes. There's not enough just to be have negligence. There also has to be intent to harm, and there's no intent to harm, even though that you did something stupid. But that doesn't mean you intended to harm. Now, imnis hapech. Let's say this person is a contortionist. In the middle of his fall, he sees that he's about to hit the ground, and he does a backflip and lands on someone. So, in the middle of his fall, he was able to turn himself over and cause himself to land. In this place, chayv af alaboshes. In this case, he's going to be chayv on all five, including embarrassment. And here it doesn't matter. Did he get blown off the roof with the ruach matzir, ruach she'ed matzir? It doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, the fact that he contorted his body to make sure that he lands on someone, that was a choice that was under his own volition. He made that choice because the fact he got blown off the roof or not, that he, didn't, he might not have made that choice. But in midair, to choose not to land on the ground and not to land on someone else, there is intent to damage. Might not be too embarrassed, but there's intent to damage. And this place, guy on all five types of that damages. The sign is, we learned in the Bryson. Where do we learn the laws of, da- of, of embarrassment? You know, there's five, we're going to see, we're going to learn later on in the Masefta, there's five types of damages that need to be paid. One of them is boshes, embarrassment. Where do we learn the laws of embarrassment? So it's a very interesting uh, case in the Torah. The Pasuk says, you take a look in, um, in the Torah, or Shalom number two. If two men are fighting between each other, right? A man and his fellow man, uh, and the, wa- the wife of one of them wants to come and help her husband protect him from being beaten up. So what does she do? To, pr- to protect her husband. What did she do? From the hand of the assailant, the one that's hitting her husband. She sent forth her hand and she grabbed him by his privates. She grabs the second guy. And the Pazak says that you cut off her hand. 
Now we learn from there, you don't actually cut off a hand, but she pays the embarrassment that for the, that what she embarrassed the guy. So what do we see from there? So Gemara says like this, there is a redundant word in the posseg. It could have just, she sent her hand, the shilcha yada bevusha. She sent forth her hand to his privates. Why does it have to say vechzika and she took hold? So took hold is telling me is that, that that's when you're chayav, when there is intent to harm. When you have intent to take hold. That's what we learn. So emboshes, which we learn from the embarrassment, so therefore, from the fact that the fact that says she sent forth her hand. Do I not know? Obviously, she, she took hold, she grabbed. So why do you have to say that she grabbed? Loma love to teach me. As long as there is an intent to grab, as long as there is intent to damage, even though it was not in her mind to embarrass the guy, she wanted to hurt the guy, she wasn't intending to embarrass him, nevertheless, that's when you're chayiv. Right. Last, let's continue with Rabba. I'm a Rabba. If a person, let's say Ruven went and took a burning coal and placed it on the chest of Shimon. All right? Now, the normal reaction of a human being, if you have a coal placed on your chest, would be what? No. To remove it, knock it off. For some reason, Shimon, okay, maybe got confused, or Shimon maybe has been depressed, I'm not sure exactly, but Shimon did not do what a normal person would do, and Shimon left it on his chest, which re- resulted in his demise, okay? Do we hold Ruvain responsible for that act? Okay? So that's the question. So therefore, Ruvain placed a, uh, a, 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 a glowing coal, a burning coal on the chest of Shimon and the mace, and Shimon died. Allah over there is Potter. Potter, Shimon, Ruvain will be Potter. Why? Because there is an, expect, an expectation that Ruven can claim he should not have left it. And therefore, he is Potter. Very interesting, a very Jewish Gemara here. al <laughs> begadov let's say Ruven put it on Shimon's clothes. Okay? And now, Venisra and Shimon's clothes get burnt. Now, Shimon comes to Ruven and says, pay me for my clothes. Ruven says to Shimon, one second, you should have taken it off. So who is, who is in the right? Ruven, Shimon could have taken it off. So what it says over here, Chayev, what's the reason? The reason's going to be is that somebody puts something on your body that is causing you physical harm, the natural reaction is to remove it. However, if somebody's causing you property damage, you don't have to say the natural reaction is to remove it. Because the bottom line is, I'm gonna sue you. Right. I will sue you, that could be the natural reaction, right? And the saying is, you know what, you caused me damage, you remove it, you don't remove it, I'm gonna sue you, I'm not gonna go ahead and get my hands dirty. So therefore, in such a case, even though technically Shimon could have removed the coal, Reuven cannot have the expectancy that Shimon should remove it because Reuven should know that Shimon might just leave it there and do what? And come after him for the, for, for, for the, for the compensation. Now, I'm a Rava. So that was a, a statement made by Rabba. So Rava, the Talmud of Rabba says that Travaya Tatanahi, both of these rulings of Rabba can be brought, proof can be brought on a Tanoic level, all right? From, from Agli, I think they're both Mishnayas. 
let's see. Tanoi, you learned in Mishnayas. Alibo, the first one that says that if it's on his heart, the expectation is that he should have removed it, and if he did not remove it, you cannot hold Ruvain responsible, that's none. Let's say Ruven imposed on Shimon. He pushed him into a fire and he held him that he could not get out. All right? Or he pushed him below the water. And again, he is imposing upon him, which is not allowing him to escape. So there, and he's not able to get up because of the imposition of the person who pushed him in. The mace and he dies. Chayer, Ruvain can be tried for murder because you're putting someone in a situation that he's not able to extricate himself from. But let's say you never held him down, you just pushed him into a fire. You pushed him into the water. And in this case, Shimon would technically have been able to have got out of it had he so chosen to do, right? And for whatever reason, Shimon became disoriented, Shimon uh, had a death wish, but whatever it is, Shimon did not escape from the fire on his own, or did not escape from the water, Potter, we cannot hold Ruvain responsible for murder. Again, he's not a big tzaddik for this, but he cannot hold him responsible for murder because as long as the situation he put Shimon into, Shimon could have extricated himself from, if Shimon chose not to, for whatever reason Shimon did not, Ruvain is not held responsible for this. Now, that's the riot to the first ruling of Ruvain when you put a glowing coal on someone's chest. Bigdo, what about the second ruling where you put it on someone's clothing? So we said that you put it on someone's clothing and the person chooses not to remove it, he can still sue you for it and you can't say you should have taken it off. No, I don't want to take it off. You put it on, you take it off. If you don't put it on, I'm suing you for the clothing. The way you see that ruling is not, again, another Mishnah. It says as follows. Again, this Mishnah later on. On Lamed, uh, where is this? No, it's not Lamed. Uh, where is this Mishnah? There's, yeah, on Tali Beis. It says, Kara es Ksusi. Shimon goes over to Reuven and says, Tear my clothes. If you want, you can tear my clothes. Or Shavar es Kadi. If you want to break my jug, go break my jug. So the guy went ahead and tore his clothes, or he broke his jug. Chayev. Ruvain is going to have to pay. Now, why does Ruvain have to pay? You said I could do it. Yeah, I said I could do it. You could do it, but I didn't say that if you do it, I'm not going to hold you liable. So if all he said, you know, you, you asked him, can I go do it? Do you want to do it? Knock yourself out. But it doesn't mean that he's not going to hold you responsible. I'm a nice lifter. But if he said that you can do it, and I will not hold you financially responsible, and then you go ahead and do it, then Taka, you're going to be Potter. But what do you see? That a person has a right to sue on his item, even if he told you, go ahead and do it. That's not a reason that he can't sue you for it. The only time he can't sue you for it is if what? That I'm not, uh, I'm not going to hold you responsible. So therefore, so Kavachomer, where you went without being told to do it, and you went and put something on someone's clothing, the fact that he didn't remove it, that doesn't mean saying he's not going to hold you responsible. That means it's fine. You want to do it, go do it. But I'm going to hold you responsible. I can go ahead and sue you for it. Now, with this next 
piece of Gemara has a big machlok as your Rashi and Tosos. I'll tell you Rashi, I'll tell you Tosos Kash and Rashi, and then I'll tell you how Tosos learns it. So, boy, Rabba, Rabba had the following Shaila. That if a person, again, it's talking about Ruven went and put a coal on, the, on, the, on the chest of Shimon's Evid. And so you don't have an Evid Knani over here, on Shimon's Evid. Okay? Mahu. What's the halacha? Now Rashi learns that the Evid was not tied up. The Evid was not tied up. So technically, the Evid could remove it, right? The Evid could remove it. However, uh, Rashi learns, the question is, do we look at the Evid the same as we looked at the, at the, as the owner if you were to put it on the chest of the owner? Now, what did we say before? If you put it on the chest of the over, if, uh, owner, if Reuben would have put it on the chest of Shimon, so we said in such a case, if Shimon could have taken it off and chose not to take it off, then Shimon would then then Reuben would be Potter. So the Evid of Shimon should make no difference. Also, should be Potter because the Evid could have taken it off. So therefore, kagufo dami. So is the evid the same as putting on the guf as the put on the guf on Shimon? So you put on Shimon's evid. Same with there. And therefore, like this, and therefore, Reuben should be potter. Or kamamona. At the end of the day, the 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 uh, body of the evid is really the mamon. It's never knani. It's the mamon. It's the property. It's like putting it on the garment of Shimon. And what did we say when you put it on the garment of Shimon? He can sue you. So therefore, he can sue you. Now. In, let's just finish it up the way Rashi learns. Now you're going to say again that it, it, it clearly is gufo. Because at the end of the day, even though it is the mammon of Shimon, but it is the, the evid, the expectation is that what? That the evid should take it off himself anyway. So now, what if it wasn't an evid? An evid is a bardas, and evid has the, the ability to know that I should remove it and if I won't die. Shoromahu. Let's say you put it on the ox. Now an ox, Raji says, does not have a bardas, and an ox might not have the capacity to realize that if I don't remove the uh, coal, he might, the ox might just run around as opposed to trying to locate where the coal is and try to remove it. So if it's shoro, so therefore mahu. So Hadar Pashta, then Rabba went back and resolved Shiloh. Avdo is Kagufo, the Evid for sure is like the body of the owner, and therefore if the Evid could have taken it off, would be Potter. Shoro is Kumamono, the ox is considered like the money of the, uh, 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 of the it's like his, his garment, and there the, the Reuben will be Chaya for putting it on the ox of Shimon. Now, Tozer says, I don't like this Pshat. Tozer says, what is even the Havamina? How could you have a Havamina that you put it on the Evid? Does it, Tzad, that it's going to be like his mamon, and therefore the Evid obviously should be taking it off. So Tozer learns, we're talking about the Evid was tied up. The Evid was tied up, and the master is standing next to him. So therefore, so therefore, now you can ask, do we look at the Evid like it's the goof? Does the owner feel it like it's being put on his own body and he for sure will take it off? Or do we look at, since the evidence at the end of the day is just financially, the, uh, so therefore the fact is, therefore he's, he might not take it off himself. I mean, the one who could take it off now is not the evidence. The evidence is not in a position to take it off according to Tosus. Why? Because the evidence tied up. So who should be taking it off? The owner. Do you have an expectation the owner should take it off because it's like Gufo? Or maybe not. He'll say, okay, you know what? If something happens to my Evan because of this, I'll sue you. Now, Tosas learns also, we're not talking about it's going to die. Tosas is going to cause financial loss. Rashi doesn't say that. But, uh, but, but that's a Tosas. But anyways, that's Tosas learns differently than Rashi. And we'll finish the Perek. Hadran Allah, Ketzer, Aregel. Hadran Allah,
Ketzad Haregel. Let's now start, as Hashem, the third parak of Maseches Babakama. Someone who placed a jug. Famous parrot, right? Everybody wants to shiva. So therefore, so a person places down that these, when you learn these Mishnayas, in fact, depends on the Rebbe is, it's either nostalgia or PTSD. It depends on, on how. But anyways, someone placed the jug. All right, we'll translate over here as a jug. We'll see when it might not be. Right? Rishusa Rabbim, in the middle of a Rishusa Rabbim. Someone else came and tripped on it, Veshavra, and broke it. Potter, his potter, because the Chorot seems to be that the owner is negligent for putting it down. The Imhuzak Ba, and if in fact the person who tripped on it actually ended up getting damaged from the shards of this. Uh, of this judge of this so then who's like the owner of the barrel is chayev benisco has to pay for the damages now what's the obvious question we started talking about that he put down a cod which usually is a smaller vessel a jug and then it says the owner of the barrel which is a chavis so therefore you started talking about a cod and you concluded the mishnah talking about a chavis so Tanan, Nami, and we have two other Mishnahis that do the same thing. So it says like this, we're going to learn later on, on Lamed Aleph. It says, Let's say two people have permission to be in Rosh Hashanah. One happens to be carrying a chavis as a barrel. The other one is carrying a beam. The person is carrying the beam. His beam broke the jug of the one who's carrying the jug. The potter that we we'll get, we'll learn it more in detail there, but the owner of the beam is potter because he had rishus, he had a right of way, he had a right to be there. But again, it started saying that he was carrying, is carrying a, 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 a barrel. See him, the con, and then it switched to that the, 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 the beam broke a jug. Why are you switching from barrel to jug? But Tanan, in the third Mishnah, let's say somebody has a barrel of wine. And one is holding a jug of honey. Now, back in the day, honey was more valued than wine. All right? It was less accessible, it was worth more. Now, the guy who was holding the barrel of honey, now there's a switch, because before he said he was holding a jug of honey. Now it switches from chavis to, uh, from, from kad to chavis. That if the barrel of honey cracked, Right? Now, the guy who's carrying the uh, container of wine sees the problem. So what he does was, so the one who's carrying the wine spilt out his wine, the hitzelis advash, and saves the honey. All right? The hitzelis advash was socho. So we'll get into the reasons later on, but the ruling is as follows. The guy who threw out the wine without being asked to do so, cannot come back and say, pay me for my wine. The most he can ask for is for services. I did services for you, pay me for my services. But he has no claim, pay me for the wine I spilled out. Why? Because he never was told 
He wasn't instructed to spill out the wine. So therefore, all he can charge his wages for his services, cannot charge for his wine. But again, same problem. We started talking about a cod of honey, and then it switched to being a chavis of honey. So Amar of Papa, Rav Papa said that the Tana of these Mishnayas is holds that Hainukad, Hainukhavis. The message trying to say is there's no difference that the words Kad and Chavis were interchangeable. Chavis and Chad are interchangeable. Kamin barrel. It could mean barrel as well as jug. So Moses Lamainaf can mean again, what do I care? This is not a uh, the, the, the reader's digest vocabulary list. This is this halacha. Why do I care that Chavis and Kad are interchangeable? So Moses, I'll tell you what, for sales purposes, makes a big difference because if there's an expectation of a certain item and somebody delivers a different item, question is, has the sales of expectation been met or not? So it's important to know, is Kad and Chavis have the same terminology, interchangeable terminology? So Moses, hey, Chidami, what's the case? If you're in a city that nobody speaks that way, when they say a kad, they want a kad, and when they say they want a chavis, they want a chavis. And therefore, if a buyer went over to the seller and says, I want 20 chavios, then obviously he has to give him 20 chavios, he has to give him 20 barrels, which is usually the larger item. He cannot turn around and give him 20 Kados, because nobody refers to a chavis as a kan. So that can't be the shayla, where it's interchangeable, and therefore it tell you that they could be used interchangeable. Halo correlate, they don't use it interchangeably in such a city. So therefore, and now the other way around, by the way, the Moral also is Pasha. If everybody calls it a kan, and everybody calls it a chavis, so therefore, if the buyer did not make it clear, and he said, I want 20 uh, chavios, the seller would have the right to give him 12 or 20 kados because everybody used it interchangeably and therefore the expectation should be is that he's going to give you the smaller item because it's interchangeably used that way so you can't claim, no, that's what I meant unless you specified it. So what's the, where, where is the Chiddush? Look, the case is the majority of people do refer to a jug as a jug and they refer to a barrel as a barrel. But there is a minority of people that do interchange chavis and kad. So now, what's the case like this? The case is, this is the way Rashi sets it up. The case is talking about where a person went over to a shopkeeper and paid him to get 20 chavios. Shopkeeper delivered 20 kados. Now, if you go by the rove, if you go by the majority, then the, then, the, then the buyer can demand, majority people don't interchange, and therefore I want the larger item. Chiddush over here is that we don't go by the majority, that the shopkeeper can say, I am from the minority of people that do what? They use cat. That use the word kad for chavis, and therefore I have a right to deliver you the small amount. Now, the way Rashi learns it is that if you went with the rove, he wouldn't be able to make that claim. However, we don't, we go, this goes like Shmuel's, that by mammon you don't necessarily go by the rove, you can also follow the mute, right? And therefore, because also remember, who's in possession of the money right now? The chenvani, the shopkeeper received the money. So you want to take that money again. You cannot use the rove. 
to take away because he can claim he's from the miut. So the rove is not strong away to take away from the amotzi um, from the from the muchzak of the shopkeeper, and therefore he can claim that is a car. Tosfos shows how this, this ruling could go both ways. Whether he intended a card and ends with a chavis, or he intended a chavis and, and he got a card, totally shows it. But that's the chiddush over here. Ma'od the same. You might have heard Zilbas Aruba follow the robe, and the robe is strong enough to get his money back, or demand that you switch the barrel, switch the jugs for barrels. Kamash Malan, the Ain Holchim, Bamanacharov, that's Machlokas Rab and Shmuel, we pass on Shmuel, the Ain Holchim, Bamanacharov, we don't follow the majority when it comes to financial situations. Right, let's go back to it. Now, so Mishnah said that, yeah, that if Reuven puts down his barrel or his jug and Shimon tripped over it and broke it, Shimon does not have to pay. Now, the Gemara says we're not dealing with an animal here, we're dealing with a human being. And therefore, why can't the human being be considered negligent on some level? You should have looked where you're going and you should have walked around it, right? Why is it, uh, why is he potter? He should be held responsible that he should have walked around. There's, why isn't that in the expectation of a human being? So Moses says like this, am I potter? Why should Shimon be potter? He boiled the unit, he should have looked where he's, Omeza, look where he's going. So I'm going to have three answers to this, I'm going to have a fourth one later. So I'm going to debate Rab, Mishmei Rab, is that this fellow, didn't just put down one barrel. He put down wall-to-wall barrels, which means there was no way for Shimon to get through. So in such a case, there's no way for Shimon to get through and Shimon tripped over it. You can't say go around. Why can't you say go around? Because there was no way to go around. That's why Shimon is exempt and he's not held accountable. It's Marshman, if it would only have been one barrel, he would have been accountable. We should have walked around it. Shmuel Amr Ba'afela. He gives another answer. He said it was dark. It was close to nightfall. It was foggy outside. And therefore, you're right. It would have been a bright day. Shimon should have walked around it. And if he tripped over it, so therefore, and he broke it, Shimon should be chayev. But the reason you cannot hold Shimon chayev over here is because there's no expectation he should have walked around it. Why is there no expectation he should have walked around it? Because it was dark. No, the first answer was blocking the street. The second answer is, Shmuel it was dark. All right, by Felishon. Third answer, of Yochanan Zavis. The case was that it was going from one uh, alley into another alley, and he had to go around a corner, and there wasn't enough time to notice it in order to have walked around it. And therefore, that's case, he broke it, he is Potter. So now, so we have three different answers here, but they all seem to imply the same thing. Had you been able to have seen it, you should have walked around it, and you would have been Chayim. The first answer was, it was wall-to-wall barrels. Second answer was, that it was dark. And the third answer was, that it was around the corner, he wasn't able to see it. Now, says Rav Papa, I'm Rav Papa. Lo daikam at least in Ela Oka Shmuel Oka Rav Yochanan. The Mishnah only works precisely, works better, according to the position of Shmuel, the answer of Shmuel and Rav Yochanan. But Rav's answer is not a good answer. It doesn't, work. it doesn't work as precisely in the Mishnah. Because what was Rav saying was wall to wall, right? So he says, let me ask a question. It was, if, the, if let's say it wasn't that he tripped over it, but he on purpose broke it, right? Now in, 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 uh, in Shmuel and Rabbi Yochanan, what do you mean on purpose he broke it? If you were able to see it and you went and broke it on purpose, of course you're going to be Chayev. But in, 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 in Rav, it's not. If I need to get through 
and you blocked all the things. I should have a right to break it on purpose. So why did you just say the case was that he tripped over it, his potter? He should be potter, not even if he tripped over it, but even if he broke it on purpose, he should be potter. You have no right to impede and block the, where there's no way to him to go around. So says him, because if the missioner was actually going the way Rav learned it, wall to wall barrels, to my area, Nitka, why do you have to give me the case of Nitka where he tripped over the barrels? Afilu Shavar, even if he broke the barrels, Nami, he should be potter. So the Chorah, that's what Rapapa held, that it doesn't, the, the scenario of Rav is not as uh, precise in understanding the Mishnah. Comes along Rav Zvi to defend Rav. Says like this, Amar Rav Zvi the Rava, Hu Adinda Afilu Shavar. You're right. In Rav, in the first half of the Mishnah, you, the, the uh, uh, Shimon would be potter whether he tripped over it or whether he broke it on purpose. Wall to wall, you have a right to break on purpose. So I, the Kashi, so why not say the bigger Chiddush? Why are you saying he's potter when he tripped on it? You should say he's potter even if he broke it on purpose. The reason is because we want to have congruency. We want to have symmetry between the first half of the Mishnah, the second half of the Mishnah. The second half of the Mishnah was not that he, no, no, he the first half of the Mishnah, he tripped and broke the barrel. So you putter. Second half of the barrel was he tripped over the barrel and he got hurt. Right? So he said the owner of the barrel has to pay for the damages. Now in Rav and Shmuel, right? Now, I mean, I'm sorry. In such a case, I understand that it can't be that he broke it on purpose. You don't have a right to go ahead and say, I broke your barrel on purpose because it blocked away and now it hurt me that now you have to pay me for damages. You damaged yourself, by the way, you broke it. So therefore, the reason why, according to Rav, it uses the case of tripping in the first half of the Mishnah because it could only use the case of tripping in the second half of the Mishnah. It couldn't use the way you broke it on purpose. Therefore, it's true. The first half of the Mishnah couldn't say broke on purpose, but it didn't say broke on purpose. You're stripping because it wants to be congruent with the second half of the Mishnah. But the reason why it says tripped in the first half of the Mishnah, because I do by Lamitne, because it wants to say safer, and the second half of the Mishnah wants to teach Im that if the person, if Shimon got damaged by the barrel that he tripped over, so the owner of the barrel has to pay for it. So Beniska uh, for the for the damages, but Dafka there you could only hold the owner responsible in the case of tripping. Aval Shavar, but if he broke it on purpose and then it broke, it, it flew back and hurt him, says then my time, uh, lo, you would not be able to charge him. My time, what's the reason? Because you caused yourself a damage. I have to pay when you caused yourself the damage. So they have a Ktani Reisha, therefore the, the Reisha, Dafka used the case of Niskal to be able to align itself with what has to be the case in the Sefer. Which means at this point, all three Sheetas are explained why you're not hired because uh, you could have walked around, because it's a case where you weren't able to walk around, either because it was wall-to-wall barrels, either because it was dark, or either because it was round the corner. Okay. Amalei Rav Abel Rav Ashi. Hachi Amimah Rav. In Eretz Yisrael, they took a whole different take on this, on this, and they didn't agree with the three answers. They said, Mishmei de Rav Ula, Mishmei de Rav Elazar. What did they hold? Lefisha ain dark and shabbat adam lisbona and bedrachim. He says like this, you're making an expectation here that's not the expectation. When a person is walking, he looks ahead. He doesn't look down. And therefore, if you're walking without expecting to have any barrel in front of you and you trip over the barrel, your question was, it's a person who should see where he's going and walk around. No. When you walk in a place where you don't expect there to be a barrel in front of you, then what? 
You're not looking down. Therefore, that's why it is considered expected that a person can trip over it and he will be potter for breaking the barrel and you'll be chayv if it gets hurt. So in Eretz Yisrael, they took a whole different focus over here. You don't have to come on to it. It's dark or wall-to-wall barrels around the corner. Forget it. It was bright daylight. You are still, uh, cannot hold Shimon responsible because when people walk, they walk looking forward. They don't walk looking down. Someone says like this. So, Lisbon, and people don't investigate the drachim in places where they expect to walk, that there should be something there. There was a case in the city of Nardar, the Chiyav Shmuel, and Shmuel obligated, when somebody went, it was broad daylight, he tripped over a barrel and he broke it. Shimon broke it. And Shmuel made, the, made Shimon pay for the barrel. Okay? Right? Shmuel made Shimon pay for the barrel. The Pumadisa, same story happened in the city of Pumadisa. The Chiev Rava Rabba, Rabba Rava also Mechayev to pay for the barrel. All right? Now, that's different in the case of our Mishnah. Rabbish, Loma Shmuel, Kashmaiti, Shmuel, Vishitaso. Shmuel learned the Mishnah's talking about it was dark outside. That's why you're Potter. But if it's light outside, you should have walked around in your chayim. Ella rova Does it mean rova holds like shmuel as well? That since it was dark outside, you're potter in our mishnah, but it would be light outside. Then you're chayim. Otherwise, why did rova say you're chayim? Shmuel says like this. Do we have a proof that rova held like shmuel? Sfirle held like shmuel. So Amra Papa. The case over there was different. The case was, it was a time of the pressing. They used to press their olives to get oil, okay? Now what happened used to be as follows, is that, that you used to rent the space of the press to press your, your produce. It's oil over there, or grain. They used to press it. Now what happened was, a lot of people used to come. So sometimes the entire press used to be filled with people waiting in line. And the understanding was that you were allowed to go into, round the corner into Rosh Hashanah to wait in line. So the case over there was, the, and people would put their barrels down because that's what they're carrying to bring. So when it's the time of the press, if you're walking in Rosh Hashanah, normally it could be in Rosh Hashanah, people, you don't have to expect there's going to be a barrel there. And if you break the barrel, you're going to be potter. But if it's the time of the press, and the norm was that people would wait around the corner because of all the stuff they had, and you trip over the barrel without looking, who's responsible in such a case? The guy who breaks it. The guy who breaks it, because there you can't say there was no expectation on him to look. There you need to look, because you know what the time of the year it is. So it's Karnadatsarta, it was a corner, round the, the corner from the, it was around from the, from the pressing place. The cave and the Bershuska Abdi, there people are waiting in line with permission in Rishusarabin, Ibaile Yune Omezo, you should have looked where you were going and therefore you're responsible. Shalach Le Rav Chista Rav Nachman. Rav Chista answered Nachman the following Shaz. Nachman was the head dying in Bovel, and he asked him, sent him the following questions. Hare Amru, that they said as follows. Now we're going to talk about embarrassment. Boshas is one of the former payments, the five forms of payments. Now, remember, Nezek is actual, a tangible impay- a payment. Nezek, even uh, Ripoy, the guy is sick in bed, he can't work, there's a tangible payment. Boshas is a little bit more of non- a non-tangible, but the embarrassment the person felt. It's, it's not a real, like a physical chisoran uh, kiss that now you're paying for, but it is, the Torah requires you pay Boshas. So he says like this, that depending on how the person hits you is going to raise the level of embarrassment. All right? A slap with a, a push with a hand, says Rashi, is not as bad if somebody gave you a knee. 
All right, and he's more embarrassing. So each thing is going to have a higher level of embarrassment. So he says like this: So Rab Chista said to Rab Nachman, "Hare Amru that we have the following tradition: Lurakuva damage that happens through a knee shalosh is three sloim. Lebeita if it's a kick, it's chamesh sloim, it's five sloim. Listen, koelis and no keres. And keres Rashi learns if he hits you with the saddle of a donkey. Someone took a saddle of donkey and smacked you with it. That's shloshesrei. That's thirteen sloim. However, lepanda demara, if it's the stick of a shovel, the wooden part of the shovel, or the kufina, or the metal part of the demara, my. That I don't know. What's the embarrassment? What's the payment that needs to be made with the stick of the shovel or with the metal part of the shovel? Is there a difference? What should it be? So Shalach Leis, Rav Nachman sent back to Rav Chizda, 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 you're charging penalties in Bava, we know in Bava in we learned you need to have smicha to be able to charge, uh, to, to be able to, to pay, pay really anything. But for compensatory purposes, when it's comp- compensation, then you, they, they, in Eretz Yisrael, where they had the smicha, they gave them reshus. They made, they, they, they uh, empowered them to go ahead and act as uh, subsidiaries, to act as representatives of the based in Eretz Yisrael, only for mamon, for compensatory, but for, for, for knas, they did not. Now, it says tells us over here that Boshes is not really knas. It is a damage, but it's like knas in terms of, because it's not really a chisoran kiss. Right? It's not a real chisoran case, so it's similar to knas. So he said, how could you be charging knasos in Bovel? All right? So I was understanding it should be a knas because like, it's a fixed amount. And that's what we said before, but I, didn't see, I haven't seen around if anyone says that. Now, Now tell me exactly what happened. Because there is a shiloh concerning the wooden part of, the, of, a, of a stick and the metal part of the stick. So tell me exactly what happened, and I'll see if it's pertinent. But under normal circumstances, you should not be charging for boshes. Now, Shalach Lei, he sent him the following. There was a, uh, a, a water pit, an irrigation pit, the bay tray of two people. They, uh, they, they shared a jointly. Each day, it was one day's turn. One of them, Reuven had one day, Shimon had the next day. Shimon went and used it on the day that was supposed to be Reuven's. So, Amalei, Yoma Didihu. So he said, what are you doing here? It's my day. Lo Ashkach Bey. So that happened is, Shimon refused to, uh, uh, Reuven refused to budge for Shimon's day. So Shakal Panda Demara Machye. So he took the stick of a shovel and he gave him a zex to get him out of there. So, so therefore, that was the case. So therefore, I want to know, what do you charge for the hitting him? How much does he have to pay for causing him damage for hitting him with the, with the, uh, or, or, so Amalei, he says, what are you, there should not be charged. There may He should have hit him a hundred times. If that's what it takes to get him away from using the water when it's his day, he has a right to go ahead and hit him. Now, we have a big machlokas whether you can have vigilantism. A person can do expeditiously take the law into his own hands. So even though there is a machlokas like that, but where it's causing you loss, every second that you don't do something is causing you loss, everybody agrees you can take the law into your own hand. I feel a man down law of an inish dinner than According to the opinion that you're not supposed to take the law into your own hand, but when there's a loss involved, 
And this is considered Malcolm Seda because it's his day for the water. If you don't let him use the water, first of all, he's not going to be able to know how much water you took. Second of all, he's going to have his own crops dying because he doesn't have the water. So there's an act, there's a case of loss over here. The Itmar was stated of Yehuda Amar. Yehuda took the position, you cannot act extraditiously, you cannot take the law into your own hands. Rav Nachman Amar, Ovid Inishdin and Nafshin, you could take the law into your own hands. The Hek of the Ikab Seder, where there's a loss, Kula Amar lo pligi, the Ovid Inish, Dina la Nafshin. Ki Hek of the pligi, the only pligi pligi, the only argue Hek of the Lake of Seder, that where there is no loss. Yehuda Amar, lo Ovid Inishdin and Nafshin, to came to the Lake of Seder, since there's no loss, then wait, there's a Kameh, the Dina, go before the Dayanin. Rav Nachman Amar, Ovid Inishdin and Nafshin, came into the Din Ovid, since in Beis Din you're able to, the Din Ovid is doing the right thing. If you know you're doing the right thing, low tariff, we're not going to force you to have to go to base. And we'll stop over here, gentlemen.